We are back with On Second Thought from GPBM, Virginia Prescott. We just listened to Mistaken, our special broadcast about Richard Jewell. If you didn't hear it, or you can stream it or download it at gpb.org slash Richard Jewell. Well, now for some real-time follow-up on the media storm set off by the new Clint Eastwood movie, Richard Jewell. As we heard, Richard Jewell's legal team sued the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, along with other news organizations, for defamation. The AJC fought the suit and eventually won. Well, now the paper is disputing how it is portrayed in the film, which hits theaters today. In a letter to Warner Brothers and the filmmakers, attorneys claim the movie depicts the AJC in a, quote, false and defamatory manner, close quote, and wrongly portrays reporter Kathy Scruggs trading sex for information from an FBI agent. Well, the depiction of Scruggs in particular has kicked up a whole lot of dust in the media sphere, and opinions on Eastwood's movie have taken on a partisan cast. William E. Lee is with us from WUGA in Athens to talk about it. He's professor of journalism at the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. William Lee, welcome. Thank you. All right. Be here. Professor Michael Cheney is also with us. He's professor of film and television at the Savannah College of Art and Design, joining us from our Savannah Bureau. Michael, thank you for being here. Good morning, and thank you for having me. All right, so let's dig into this. William, the AJC filed an official complaint about falsified aspects of the film addressed to Clint Eastwood, the screenwriter, Billy Ray, and the studio, Warner Brothers. What are some of the key objections there? Well, first of all, let me offer a correction. They haven't filed anything in court. This is what's known as a demand letter. And uh, it was written by a lawyer in Hollywood uh, named Martin uh, Singer? Singer. And he is described by Variety magazine as Hollywood's number one legal attack dog. Hmm. And his business consists largely of representing Hollywood celebrities and especially threatening uh, tabloids in particular for uh, potentially defamatory stories. And so to put this letter in context, again, it's not uh, the initiation of a lawsuit. It's the threat of uh, initiation of a lawsuit unless certain things uh, occur, particularly a disclaimer. And I'll get into that in just a bit. But I, I, I want to put this letter in, pers- in perspective. The most prominent protagonist of the or most prominent uh, user of these demand letters is President Trump. Long before he became a candidate in public office, he spent Uh, years having his lawyers send demand letters. When he became a candidate, in particular close to the 2016 election, the New York Times published a story uh, about two women's allegations that he was inappropriate with them. His lawyers sent Professor Lee, I'm sorry. Can I can I I I understand that uh, I would say that President Trump is not the only person certainly to use these kind of letters, but I don't want to lose the thread of what we're talking about and turn this into a conversation about President Trump. If that's okay, if we can stick to talking about this disclaimer, if you don't mind, there is already a disclaimer on the film. What is the AJC asking for the filmmakers to add to that? Well, that's that's what's really uh, uh, confusing, because in the letter, they um, Martin Singer basically says, we demand you immediately issue a statement publicly acknowledging that some events were imagined for dramatic purposes. Artistic license and dramatization were used in the film's portrayal events. We further demand you add a prominent disclaimer to the film to the effect. Well, Warner Brothers came back and said, uh, we've already got that. And in fact, the disclaimer 
on the film says the following. The film is based on <clears throat> excuse me, actual historical events, dialogue, and certain events and characters contained in the film were created for the purposes of dramatization. Uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot different between what's currently on the film and what um, uh, Mr. Singer wants uh, Warner Brothers to do. Uh-huh. So there's a hint there that this is something that I've seen a lot on Twitter, that this is not necessarily a... Um, even if it's just the hint of a lawsuit at this point, a winnable case. So this is being done maybe for other purposes. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's um, it's an effort to try and perhaps uh, move the public dialogue and uh, present the AJC in a uh, positive light. Uh, unfortunately, I think these demand letters usually don't present the uh, person making the man in a positive light. It makes him look like a bully. Hmm, right. All right. So let's look at this a little bit more about the film. Michael, the trailer for the film features an FBI agent directing Jewel to give a voice exemplar and Jewel doing it. You know, there's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. In real life, Jewel's legal team forbade him from doing that. And we have in the text of the trailer the words based on true events. And later the world will know his name and the truth. So, Michael, for the purposes of filmmaking, based on, does that clear the movie to create its own storyline? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm not a lawyer. I'm an artist and I'm an educator. And I do try to teach my students how to become better artists. And there is a certain degree of ethics involved with that. At the same time, there's also a certain degree of latitude in the arts. But la creative latitude and creative freedom only extends so far. There's a huge difference between based on a true story and is a true story. I mean, dramatic films are not journalism, even if they're based on true events. They can be inspired by actual events, but movies have an objective of telling an engaging and entertaining story. Right. So, But even for people who haven't seen the movie, some specific scenes have been called out, including a bar scene at Manuel's Tavern, where uh, Kathy Scruggs liked to hang out. Pretty direct implication that Scruggs traded sex for information from this FBI agent. Eastwood and screenwriter Billy Ray say they sourced the material from Marie Brenner's 1997 article in Vanity Fair and from Kevin Salwin and Kent Alexander's book, The Suspect. They consulted with the filmmakers, but nothing in either suggests that's true. So what's your read of the portrayal? Well, I think if Kathy Scruggs is depicted as offering sex in exchange for information about the case from an FBI agent where there's no evidence to suggest that this actually happened in reality, then there's a real problem, You know, particularly since the character is actually named Kathy Scruggs. Uh, there's a certain degree of fictionalization with any historical character in a movie. That's just the nature of the medium. But when that characterization becomes defamatory or damaging and doesn't reflect the character of the actual person, then there's a problem. Um, had the character not been clearly based on an actual person or there was a, you know, Kathy Scruggs was not named Kathy Scruggs, there was just a kind of composite character, there would still be other issues, namely this issue of the kind of... Uh, trope of unethical female reporter that we've seen emerging in films over the last 40 or so years. Right. I'm thinking of House of Cards, Sharp Objects. There, exactly. Right. Earlier this week if, at the... If I could add yes, something please. here. Um, it's not defamatory, and here's why. She's dead, and central principle of defamation law is that the dead have no legal recourse. Their estates cannot sue for uh, defamation. So... 
Clint Eastwood and his screenwriter have complete latitude to make her into whatever they like, as long as they don't reference inappropriately a living person. Huh. Now, that may sound callous, but that's the reality. And so part of this demand letter, which uh, the only person who's actually identified in the demand letter is Kathy Scruggs, is, is really, um, you know, just smoke and mirrors because her estate would have no standing whatsoever to claim that this portrayal is false. Now, is it ethical to do that? That's an entirely different question. But Sure, and, I'll, and, and thank you for clarifying that. I think if, if Kathy Scruggs, you know, was a real person and she has a real legacy, she has a very real reputation, and if that character depicts uh, unethical actions on screen and the audience is apt to believe that the actual person acted in this way, well, maybe it's not defamatory, but it's certainly uncool. And how about the claim that you that you will get the story, we will know the truth. So it's claiming truth. Is, is there latitude with that, William, if we're talking about a, a screenplay or a tag on a film trailer? Absolutely. Uh, Clint Eastwood is not Ken Burns. And this is an entertainment film, and I don't think a reasonable viewer would go to this expecting it to be um, – an accurate portrayal of everything that was said and everything that was done. If you watch The Crown and think that Queen Elizabeth actually said those words to Prince Philip, then I've got an Easter uh, bunny and a tooth fairy to introduce you to. Okay, so let's say that some of the response to this uh, on Twitter so far uh, that people are saying about the film and whether or not it's necessary to depict her in that light. We've got people saying, I'm sorry, let me just scroll through and find some of these reactions here. We have uh, Mike says, only the media would conspire to ruin a man's life very publicly and then loudly complain about how they're viewed in the movie about ruining an innocent man's life. Um, also, in a country that is hostile towards women journalists and especially women who are journalists or who hold or pursue any powerful position, a film like Richard Jewell insinuating falsely that a woman journalist traded sex for tips is abhor abhorrent and irresponsible. So what do you think there? Is, is it the fact that they're making headlines kind of cheating its own disclaimer, you know, that this has kicked up so much fury in the media? It, it seems like it is to me. There seems to be an irony here. I mean, there's an underlying theme of false accusations with the film, and that seems to extend to what they're doing with the character of Kathy Scruggs. And that falls in line with this trend of depicting women reporters as slutty ambition monsters. Um, and that's a very real trope that we've, we've seen in films, and you've, you've named some of the films and television shows that have embraced that trope. Uh, you know, Clint Eastwood and Billy Ray are very talented filmmakers, um, and Eastwood has said that he doesn't know why Kath how Kathy Scruggs got the tip on Richard Jewell. So why did he go with this kind of tired and hackneyed and very problematic trope with the, the, the you know, uh, unethical female reporter? Here it's he is. So I'll just uh, cut in and just we'll hear from Clint Eastwood. Here he is at, an, at a premiere in Atlanta this week. Kathy Scruggs was uh, a very uh, interesting personality, and she did she did find the uh, answer to it. So how she did it, nobody probably will ever really know. 
it's always, you know, so no apology there, certainly. We do, of course, have different expectations in watching a film than reading a news article. But when a filmmaker claims responsibility uh, or, or claims, rather, that legal – even if there's no legal responsibility to abide by the facts, do you think there should be more of an ethical responsibility? And maybe I'll pose that to you, William, as the lawyer – Part of the AJC demand letter claims that the film intentionally misinterpreted the facts of the Richard Jewell story. How would a newspaper prove such a thing? Well, see, this is the really fun part about this. And this demand letter is going nowhere. And here's why. Uh, the person who potentially has the most at stake in terms of reputation is dead and therefore has no legal standing. The AJC, if it wants to bring on a lawsuit uh, claiming that the portrayal of its uh, employees, etc., is is false, that's a heavy burden, and here's why. The AJC would be classified as a public figure, and in defamation law, that means that the burden of proof is on them. It really comes down to having to show that Clint Eastwood and his uh, screenwriter knew that they were lying about living people or a corporation or acted recklessly. And that means that they had serious doubt about the truthfulness of what they were publishing about, again, living people or a corporation. Now, I, I really want to emphasize that defamation law in this country is structured by the Supreme Court is defendant friendly, meaning it is protective of the press. It is not plaintiff friendly. So the AJC as a plaintiff would have a whole set of requirements to prove that would be extraordinarily difficult to do. And the fun part of all this is that if you bring a lawsuit, then you open yourself up to what's called discovery. And that means the attorney attorneys for Warner Brothers would be able to depose key figures at the AJC and ask them questions about how this story was processed, how it was verified, etc., conceivably even forcing the uh, newspaper to identify its uh, sources for these uh, stories about Richard Jewell. Hmm. That's not something that you want to be doing, okay? And then you also open up the possibility, since the demand letter is constantly referencing the professionalism of the newspaper, you open up questions about behavior in the newsroom, relationships between editors and reporters, uh, things like uh, use of alcohol, drugs, etc., which would undercut the claim of professionalism. Most importantly, it's important for your uh, listeners to understand that there are no professional standards that have legal enforceability when it comes to the practice of journalism. Journalism is not like law or medicine where you can lose your license if you violate professional standards. There is no licensing of journalists. Consequently, there are no professional standards that, uh, again, could be pointed to in court and say, oh, you violated that, therefore you, you uh, acted unprofessionally. Journalists vary wildly in their... Um, assessment of what is appropriate and what's inappropriate. There are some codes out there, for right. example, by the uh, Society of Professional Journalists, and they have, have things in them that, for example, the AJC violated 
uh, in its um, in its uh, Richard Jewell coverage. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but we've got to close in just a minute. So I just want to leave the last to Michael. It, it seems that Richard Jewell's reputation ended up being a casualty of reporting in this case, whether or not, you know, legally, but by the code. Would you argue, Michael, that the AJC's reputation here is simply a casualty of filmmaking? That's a really interesting point. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think my concern as an artist and an educator is more in line with the way that Kathy Scruggs is depicted. Uh, and again, I've got a disclaimer here. I've not seen the film, and I'm only familiar with the recent press coverage regarding the description of the representation of Kathy Scruggs on film. But there is still a kind of continuing problematic image of women reporters depicted on the screen. Uh, And that, I think, is what's really unfair about the fallout from this film. I want to thank you both for spending some time with us. Thank you so much to Michael Cheney, professor of film and television from SCAD. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And William Lee, a journalism professor at the University of Georgia. Thank you so much for your time. Rock on. <laughs> on Second Thought is produced by Amelia Brock, LaRaven Taylor, Priya Mahadevan, and Jake Troyer. Jesse Neiswanger is our engineer. Our interns are Alexis Thomason and Jessica Lowell. Don Smith is our dean of grammar. Amy Kiley is senior producer. Mary Lynn Ryan, executive producer. I'm Virginia Prescott. Again, you can go to gbb.org slash Richard Jewell if you want to pass around or listen to in full the mistaken documentary feature we produced today. Thanks so much for your time. Have a great weekend.